Hello, and welcome to another episode of Eaton House Conversations. This year, in the face of the pandemic, we have seen collective effort across schools and global communities to build their well-being and contentment practice. One school in particular stands out, having focused on this practice since its inception in 2018, way before this pandemic even impacted our lives. Middleton International School has been a trailblazer in this regard and went on to collaborate with the Contentment Foundation in the U.S. to make its practice even more strategic and research-based. In this podcast, we speak to Atima Joshi, principal at Middleton, who has been a champion and a leader of this particular practice in her school as well as her community. So welcome, Atima. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Vipasha. Brilliant. So let's dive straight into the first question. How did mindfulness as a practice start in MIS or Middleton? And if you could walk us through the journey just a little bit. Sure. And thank you for uh, giving this opportunity because this is something I'm really passionate about. And I would just like to make a small correction that we actually started this whole mindfulness journey even in 2017, right since the inception of Middleton. So one of the best things about Middleton was that we started with a small boutique campus at Apabukutama, and we wanted to make sure that social-emotional learning was a key part of our culture and our ethos. So we started right from the inception. So within our uh, mission and vision, within our strategic planning, we had actually inbuilt it, and we built it in phases. So there were about six phases at that time, uh, which we had envisioned, which now have changed to nine phases, actually. Um, so basically, we started by drip feeding because not everybody was into mindfulness at that time. And we wanted to make sure that it was a culture of mindfulness and not purely a curriculum. So what we did was we started with uh, the assemblies. So the weekly assemblies once a week uh, used to have an element of mindfulness. And I used to run them so that I could model uh, for the teachers, for the students. And gradually what happened was that the teachers started taking over. So that was something really good to see because then the teachers started realizing the value of it and realizing how it actually impacts the classroom. But that was a small campus and gradually we were growing. So um, we very quickly scaled up and we went to the Tampanese campus and we knew that this had to be scaled up and we did not have enough bandwidth at that time. So the next thing that I wanted to do was have more people in the cohort who could actually run the training uh, and had the same belief and ethos. So we actually targeted a hiring. And I wanted to make sure that teachers who were being hired, they were open-minded to learning something new. Uh, the senior leadership team that was being hired was open to it. And I was very lucky because I got Matt, and I think uh, uh, Matt had this podcast last uh, week or last fortnight ago. And uh, he and I, we realized that we wanted to scale this up, but we wanted to make sure that we were taking the teachers along with us. So we started small by having some kind of a mindfulness practice before every staff meeting. And it was small. It, it didn't have to be very complex. It didn't have to be very um, serious. It was something small. It was something joyful. And I think that um, kind of led the way. And teachers realized that that was something that was benefiting them. So we started with a small group of teachers and who were uh, willing enough to volunteer to come over and do a mindfulness session with us every two weeks. And some of these teachers then said, can we try it with our students? And we said, yes, of course. So that was the idea. So it wasn't coming from us. It was coming from the staff. 
And that is exactly how we wanted to build the culture. So teachers started uh, small short sessions of mindfulness with their classes. And that was really powerful. And then the other teachers got influenced and then they started. So we realized that very soon we needed to have a program. Uh, we also at the same time started drip feeding our parents and we wanted to make sure that our parents were also with us on this well-being journey because often uh, mindfulness can have uh, a misperception of it being religious. So we wanted to make sure that our parents knew what we were doing. So we continued to drip feed our parents and we continued to talk about how it is beneficial, what we are doing with it, um, how we are rolling it out and so on, and how we were very strategic with it. Uh, so when we had the parents on board and some of the parents actually talked about, um, you know, if they could come in and uh, do some mindfulness. So we also ran a parent workshop. Um, I still remember there was a parent actually who said, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to my office so happily the first time. <laughs> and uh, that was interesting to see. So we knew clearly that it was working. Uh, but one thing that we found was that there was a little bit of a gap in terms of research, uh, particularly in this part of the world. So most of the mindfulness research uh, uh, came from the West. And it was really interesting because historically, a lot of these practices have their um, uh, beginnings in, in some of the Eastern cultures and traditions. But the research base uh, is primarily in the West. So we wanted to make sure that you know, we were quite clear about how it is benefiting our community. What is the research like? So we partnered with Center for Mindfulness. And we actually wanted uh, a research that was uh, not biased, not prejudiced. So we did not want to do it ourselves, but we wanted it done in our context. So we had two groups, a control group and a research group, and we had six sessions of mindfulness. Uh, and the Center for Mindfulness then helped us uh, prepare a research paper. And it was very evident that within even six weeks of mindfulness, explicit training, uh, there was a lot of benefit to the students, whether it was emotional regulation or it was just being happy. And we felt that that was quite a powerful thing. So interestingly, uh, at the same time, ECN, uh, as you know, our executive director is very into mindfulness. He himself is a practitioner. So he was also getting into this journey and he met up with Daniel from Contentment Foundation. And when Daniel showed us what Contentment Foundation was like and how it was structured, we felt that it was the perfect curriculum to run by because it had structure, uh, but most importantly, it had the teacher welfare in its mind. So this is something really important because most of the curricula that come in uh, are given to the teachers and the teachers are asked to deliver it. But what we miss out there is that the teacher well-being is as essential and perhaps even more if the teacher has to teach authentically. So that was something that Contentment Foundation very readily did and that was something that drew me towards it as well. And um, that was it. Then we started the Contentment Foundation and we had our uh, well-being team, which was a very small team to start with. Um, and we were the ones who first did a pillar because Contentment Foundation has four pillars. So we did pillar one and then we trialed it. And then we realized how we can scale it down to the teachers. Uh, and that's how the journey began. And we are now about five months into it and we can already see the benefits. Thank you, Atima, for sharing. That's really an inspiring journey um, for a new school. Was it because, you know, when you have a new school, you have a lot of other sort of uh, priorities in place, your accreditations, your teacher training, setting up the school, ensuring that, you know, the operations happen smoothly. Uh, this was an additional layer that you attached to the school in terms of your practice. So what would you uh, recommend for new schools? Is it uh, beneficial to start this practice from the get go? 
um, or should the schools first prioritize on their core curriculum before you start to add mindfulness and contentment into the curriculum? Thank you. Vipasha, uh, I think one of the biggest misconceptions around mindfulness um, is that A, it is an additional layer which needs more time and practice. Um, my point is actually that mindfulness makes you more efficient. So for Middleton, it was built into the ethos right from its inception because we knew that we had to pay attention to what was happening. Um, if you remember, Middleton was actually a school. When we started into the ma- when we came into the market, we realized that uh, we were one of the few affordable international schools. We wanted to maintain the rigor, but then cut down on the operations cost. Um, and that requires a whole lot of attention. It requires attentiveness. It requires awareness. It requires um, your understanding of the parent body. Uh, you want to make sure that your students are doing the right thing uh, and they're not missing out on anything. So you want to be more efficient with the time. And that's where mindfulness comes in. So mindfulness wasn't really an additional layer. It was a layer which actually helped us become more attentive, uh, more aware, uh, and more accepting of what it was. So that is something that schools need to recognize and realize. And uh, there is this myth about mindfulness taking time, mindfulness being very serious. There are a couple of myths associated with mindfulness, actually. And um, it is interesting when you see it. So in our strategic plan, we actually have happiness as one of the factors. And that is something really interesting that, uh, you know, not all schools have. In fact, when I was interviewing uh, Matt, he, he was amused that I was asking about happiness, about his thoughts about happiness. But that is something very explicit and very deliberate. So I would actually recommend any school um, that is starting from scratch to build mindfulness into its ethos because mindfulness uh, is not limited to purely breathing or purely mindful eating or listening. There's a whole lot around it. Um, the whole focus is on uh, how are you paying attention to your environment? And that environment includes your physical environment, your community. Uh, what are the students saying? And that sense of attentiveness, uh, that sense of awareness, that sense of acceptance, because not everything will go perfect. Uh, sometimes when you're starting a new school, you know, you will have uh, moments where you realize that, oh, this could have been done better, or this is not going the way I anticipated it to. But then you need to be able to stop, pause, recognize, uh, become aware before you act on it. And that's where mindfulness actually helps. So when it comes to any culture, and that could be any organization, any school, anything, I would actually say that mindfulness uh, increases your efficiency. Uh, for schools, I know particularly high school and middle school staff, you know, they're always very worried about the IGCSEs, the IB scores, and so on. Uh, and that is something that is, is super interesting because when you talk to them about mindfulness, uh, they will often quote you, they will often cite you the lack of time. But I don't have time to do this in my curriculum. And then when they see the benefits of it, so when we rolled it out, they see the benefits, they see that they pay less time um, on behavior management or uh, lesser times on, you know, behavior regulation, emotional regulation. So it's actually making you more efficient. So I would say include it, involve uh, people with uh, mindfulness right from the get-go. Thank you. 
And what about students? Have you, uh, what are some of the sort of very identifiable benefits that you see in students? You mentioned the high school and secondary school uh, sort of uh, teachers and how stressed they were about scores. How does this regulate students in terms of their performance? So there are a few things uh, how students benefit. So one of the things is that um, the mindfulness, the entire program, it actually increases focus. It increases the attention. So what happens is that when a student is actually focused, clearly the learning is better. Uh, and this is all about learning. So if, if your learning is better, automatically your assessment scores and everything, they go up. And I'm not saying that, you know, mindfulness will increase the assessment scores. That's not the purpose of mindfulness. But mindfulness will actually help you be more aware of where you're missing things, uh, what is giving you joy, what is uh, difficult when you're learning something. And this is something that uh, we, we've realized helps students. Now, we always talk about Maslow before Blooms uh, when we talk about uh, education. That is student and, a, and any learner as for that matter, it doesn't matter what age that is, needs to feel comfortable, needs to feel settled, needs to feel happy before he or she starts learning. So if you're practicing mindfulness, your child, your student is happy, your student is settled, your student is centered, that itself gives you um, a lot of opportunity for growth. So that is how students benefit. Another uh, thing that our students have told us is that they have found that their relationships with their peers and their families, it's become better. And this is coming straight from the students. This is not us uh, putting words in their mouth. So it is really interesting to see that students talk about how they have better friendships. And that is something really important, particularly in today's time when we have nuclear families. Um, you, you want that social connection. There is a social need. And that is something which is actually uh, benefited by mindfulness. And that is how students uh, enhance their learning. Wow. I'd love to be a student in your school, Atima. Well, hopefully... <laughs> in my next life well um so uh okay question for you with regard you've already established certain um standards for mindfulness practice within the singapore international schooling uh, community and i think outside as well you're already a trailblazer you're already leading the way i think middleton is the first school that has tied up with the Contentment Foundation um, and is being strategic and research-based in this practice. So what are your plans now that you've reached uh, this milestone? What are your plans uh, for the future and how do you see this evolving within the Middleton community as we go forward? Thank you, Vipasha. Um, yes, we are very fortunate. We are the mothership school for Contentment Foundation, uh, not only within Singapore, but almost uh, the entire Southeast Asia as of now. Uh, we're very privileged and I'm absolutely excited at partnering with Contentment Foundation because not only is the Contentment Foundation um, a, a good curriculum, not only do they offer something that is really beneficial to our community, but I think it impacts the entire community, so whether it's Singapore, whether we go further into the Southeast Asia and whether we go further down into the world. I think if anything, the, the COVID-19 situation has told us how interconnected we are and that we don't live in an insulated bubble, um, though nowadays we are trying to. Uh, but the point is interconnectedness. The point is that um, nobody, uh, no man is an island, basically. So we're talking about that interconnectedness of the society. So when we talk about rolling out the Containment Foundation pilot project, 
we know that eventually the school, the community, the students, the staff, uh, and the parents, they are going to become um, influencers. So as they go out and about into the community, they are going to be the ones to spread the message. They are going to be the ones to um, provide that sense of calm, provide that sense of um, anchoring uh, in the community. And that eventually benefits. It has a ripple effect, basically. So that is one of the things that we want to do, uh, that we want to influence the entire community. So we do have some other projects in mind, uh, along with the Containment Foundation curriculum uh, there, that we want to take into the community. One of them, for example, is the garden-based mindfulness learning. And that is something uh, we were in the midst of launching when COVID-19 happened. So uh, we had to put it on the uh, back burner for now. But as and when we get back to our regular practices, uh, the intention is that we have um, the garden-based mindfulness learning program where students are able to work on the sustainability aspect um, as well as the environmental issues along with mindfulness. Now, this is something that we have uh, built in-house. This is not something uh, that we have purchased or we've uh, taken from somewhere. This is something that we are uh, planning to do and it will evolve as we go. So the first step to it is uh, we, we created something. Um, uh, this, this basically came from the students. There's a group called Eco Warriors uh, in, in the Middleton community. And that's a small group of students and teachers who are really passionate about sustainability. So what we want to do next is we want to inculcate the sense of awareness of how the environment uh, impacts us. And we want to be more mindful about it. Uh, I, I mentioned to you that we started with about a four-phase and then a six-phase mindfulness program, which is now onto a nine-phase mindfulness uh, a rollout for the community. But the intention is that we want to keep growing, keep cultivating these practices till it becomes uh, a living and breathing thing in every single atom of the school, basically. So that is our plan. Uh, we also intend, so we are working with a hospice. We work with um, some of the patients there. So till now, our students at Middleton, uh, whenever they, uh, they performed something, they used to go to the hospice and they used to perform for the patients. And um, then they did some fundraising by, uh, with, within one of the units of inquiry, they actually did a whole lot of learning and stitching and uh, they brought in some uh, physical education aspect. Um, so we want to continue with this and we want to see how we can extend these mindfulness practices beyond our school community uh, to the local community as well, because we want to partner with them. One of the best things about mindfulness that I feel is that it is not insulated. You're not doing it uh, because you want to uh, only benefit your students. The strategic objective of education in the society is to make the world a better place. So we want to talk about how we, um, we impact our community. So yes, garden-based mindful learning project is one of them. Uh, we do have some other projects in the pipeline, but still in the draft stage. Um, and I'm sure that as we go forward, we'll be able to share more of that journey with you. Thank you, Atima. Thank you for that beautiful sharing, talking us through the journey that Middleton has undergone over the last couple of years. May you continue to do incredible things and may the Middleton community continue to lead the way for the international schooling community in Singapore and outside. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Vipasha. Thank you. It was a pleasure. <laughs>